Howdy guys, I'm Aiden of Blue Couch Productions and welcome to Aiden on Anchor. Aiden on Anchor is a podcast focusing on my life. I'll tell you a lot about myself and hopefully provide value through experience. This is episode 79 of the show, currently recording it at 12.32pm on April 27th, 2021. Welcome back to the show everybody and as you can tell we're on episode 79. We're one away from 80 and with that... Always seems to come new changes. Every time we hit a landmark episode, we're going to be changing some shit. So what are we doing for Aiden on Acre episode 80? Well, I figured I'm kind of moving away from a lot of my old non-copyrighted music stuff. And Aiden on Acre is going to be one of the last few things that has that old Blue Catch Productions theme that I used a bunch. And I'm going to be changing it on the channel. I've already changed it on live streams. Uh, LHG and YouTube podcast never really had copyrighted stuff like that. Uh, so Aiden on Anchor is one of the last holdouts. So I think what I'm going to do for episode 80 is I'm going to start with a different music. Yeah, going to start it out with a different theme, if you will. I'm not sure which one yet. I'll probably end up fucking around for like a week or so testing out a bunch of themes that could work for Aiden on Anchor. Uh, but I'm but I'm getting rid of getting rid of the old Blue Catch Productions theme. Uh, we hadn't really used it on the podcast for a long period of time, uh, but it was starting to stick on a little bit. But I'm just moving away. I'm just moving away from that kind of non copyrighted music and changing over to something a little bit different. Changing over to something that I have a little bit more control over. That type of stuff. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, episode eighty is also going to be another Q and A episode where we answer questions from my Discord. So if you would like to join that, be on the lookout once this episode goes up and uh, join my Discord. Link in the description below. And you can ask any kind of question you want. One per person, obviously. Probably be around 10 or so. Uh, But I'm excited to do that as well because the Q&A episodes always seem to be some of the most fun for me personally, but they also get a lot of listens so you guys really like them too that that's that's how i know people still care about Aiden on anchors whenever i do a q a episode i tend to get a lot of listens that way so <laughs> thankfully that that's that's good because we've had a little bit of a drop off uh for the past couple episodes but hey, what are you gonna do so i got went ahead and uh, mentioned that right out front we're getting a different intro theme and outro theme for Aiden on anchor in episode 80 episode 80 is a q a theme what else do we have to talk about? Well, I figured I could briefly talk about my uh, new rebrand on a bunch of different socials. The Blue Couch Productions look is completely different now, which is crazy. Not every social got changed, so Aiden on Anchor still looks the same. Uh, my Twitter ends up looking the same. But if you go to YouTube, for one, that's obviously the biggest one, or if you go to Twitch or Letterboxd or the website, it all got changed over with the new Blue Catch Productions branding that, can I just say, looks pretty fresh, and I ended up making it myself. Uh, The logo that we were using beforehand, I had commissioned someone to use back in early 2018, And it served me well for a long period of time, but I kind of wanted to change up simply because it was very of that era, you know? It was very big, very bold, had kind of 3D text. It looked like a gaming channel from 2016, which was fine at the time. 
but going into this new decade, right, and seeing a lot of the YouTube channels that are successful and what they do with their branding, simple is often better. And I wanted something that still kept that vibe of Blue Catch Productions. You know, the ocean look, the blue text, that type of stuff. But just changing it up a little bit. So I ended up making that in GIMP on a lovely afternoon after watching the uh, Blueberry Fago video. Because the titular artist, Little Mosey, wears a... Uh, I think it's a Lakers or Clippers. I don't know. It's some basketball team. With a jersey of like a dark blue, but with white text and a light blue stroke around it. And I'm like, this looks really fresh. I should try and get something similar. And I did. And then I um, ended up kind of adding this noise filter to it. So it kind of looks old. Made the text slightly wavy. Not too much, but enough to kind of give it a little bit of more of a genuine look. And uh, yeah, it's pretty fresh. You may notice as well that there's no couch in the logo and that's not for a lack of trying me and Zach did attempt to fit a couch into the logo but I find that because the text that I went with is very tall we wouldn't have a lot of room to put a couch under it which I think is where it looks best now granted we could put a couch to the left or right of it but I'd have to find one that matches and I don't know if you guys have looked around but it's very hard to find a couch image whether on Google or whatever, that looks good. I would kind of have to like draw a couch or get somebody else to. In fact, that's usually what I've had to do because any blue couch I find online just does not fit the look at all. And especially given this kind of older style that I went for, it'd be even harder to. So we just decided, eh, let's not keep it. Let's not keep it. I'm, I'm known as blue on my Discord and a lot of other places. Some people call me blue couch, others yellow couch, right? Like I go by a lot of names. Aiden is another one, uh, my actual name. But I figured for YouTube, you know, I'll still be called Blue Couch Productions, but just for the the branding and the look of it, I really like how this turned out. Uh, It's a bit harder to describe just because you can't see it on screen right now. But go check out my YouTube, Blue Couch Productions, or on Twitch. Uh, I've updated a lot of stuff with it. Some things you haven't even seen, like the new intro, there's a new outro, some new graphics that take advantage of the background without the text. Videos going forward are going to use this branding. So whenever I upload my newest video, it's not going to be the old Blue Couch intro with that old logo. It's going to look a little different, and I think for the best, honestly. Like I said, it was a long time coming, and I'm really happy with how this turned out. And you all seem to be as well, because I just randomly put it in the Discord. I'm like, hey, does this look good? And you were all like, yeah, yeah, this shit look fresh. I'm like, oh, thank you. I guess I'm going to keep it right then and there. I, I maybe finished it like 10 minutes, put it in Discord, and within another 10, I had switched over all my socials. Not all of them are completely switched over just because I use so many services. So it took until like yesterday to change my letterbox. Uh, PayPal apparently used my old channel background image. My email was another one that took a little long time. So it's not going to be uniform everywhere. But as I use services, right, um, I'm going to be changing them and getting them over to the new branding. So give it a bit of time. Most everything that you actually, like, know me for, comedy, music, uh, you know, live streams, videos, that type of stuff, they're all updated. But some things might not be. So let me know. Let me know if you find something with the old Blue Catch Productions branding that needs to be changed. 
because I have completely forgot. I don't have a list or a password manager for all my accounts. Jay recommended me that I do that. And I probably should just because I'm like, I, I want to know a list of all the things that I'm logged into and all the things I have accounts on. Because I guarantee you 90% of it I just don't use. Like I went into the, the, the Twitch dashboard the other day and there's like this little list of connected services you're using with Twitch. And some of that shit I haven't even been using for like two or three years. But I just hadn't ever disconnected them because the Twitch dashboard is a mess. So all that shit just stays there. And I'm like, oh, God, Ugh, that's crazy. Yeah. I, I don't I don't like having clutter like that. In case it wasn't obvious, I, I don't like clutter in general anywhere online. Uh, at a certain point, I was okay with just having accounts everywhere and keeping older videos up and all that sort of stuff. But as I've gotten into this a little bit more, I've been very picky and very particular to the point where I'm the type of person to check my uh, control panel <laughs> and check all my programs that I have, like the uninstall a program tab. I go through that like every day. I'm the type of person that'll go in the Discord settings of not only my server, but uh, Jay's, Parker's, any, anyone I can get access to, right? And check that prune option to see if any members haven't been on for 30 days. If they haven't, I'll click prune. Um, I got rid of my SoundCloud the other day just because I don't use it anymore and all my shit's on Bandcamp regardless, so... There's no SoundCloud anymore, which might suck for some people, but uh, I don't know. I feel like I had put the links to Bandcamp everywhere, and people just don't use the Bandcamp, so there you go. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. I finally ended up uh, deleting any like non-public Blue Catch Productions videos. The streams are still there, but none of the videos are, um, just because like the All My Videos playlist had like 100 or some shit on there, and most of the, most of the shit's moved, you know? A lot of the Let's Play stuff is on LHG. A lot of the, the content I care about is public. And really the only stuff that was left was like some old ass questions on the couch and midnight vlogs. Some of which aren't good. And I don't want public or available anymore. So now it's just down to the 60 videos, you know, and, and the 80 live streams. The live streams are still enlisted for now. <sighs> we'll see how I feel in a, in a month or so. Uh, but the videos are they're taken down. Not only... Were they unlisted, but now they're deleted. So, I don't know. I get picky about that stuff. And you would think, um, man, Aiden, wouldn't you regret that at a certain point in time? And sometimes I do. But a lot of the time, I'm so trying to, to get it out of my mind and get it out of my sight that usually I'm just okay with it. And then I get back to work on new things, right? Because it's the new shit that matters. It's not, not about a bunch of old-ass videos that I know don't do well. So... I don't know. We're moving forward. We're moving forward. Uh, if this were a thing that I only did for like one or two years, maybe I'd feel differently. But uh, we're approaching, I believe, in a couple of months, the five-year anniversary of Blue Couch Productions. Ew! It sounds scary even saying it. I'll, I'm getting close to being on YouTube for five years. <sighs> it's a mess. It's a mess. It really is. It really is a mess. Uh, one other thing. I wanted to briefly talk about briefly because I don't I don't know how much I want to say about this yet. But as of two days ago, I edited my first client video. Yeah, that's right. I ended up getting recommended somebody from Zach who was like, hey, this guy needs editing. Can you edit? And I'm like, sure. I DM him 
I had an iPad Pro video. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to mention the channel. Uh, and then I put it together, give him the rough cut. He's like, yo, this is epic. And I'm like, do I need to do intros, outros, anything like that? He's like, no, just want the rough cut. I'm like, oh, sick. And uh, getting $20 for that video alone, which is like really cool. <laughs> and I'm going to be doing more because he really liked it. Oh, it's exciting. It's exciting to have a future. In, in content stuff because so often it feels like it's all gonna come crashing down and just knowing that not only have I edited my first client video for 20 bucks but it was just a rough cut and you like that rough cut oh man you're doing something for my confidence here you're doing something for my uh for my brain my lizard brain who thinks I can't do anything adequately and uh knowing that I can is good, you know? Knowing that I can do stuff for other YouTubers, even if I myself aren't that great, is epic. It's really epic. It just shows, and I guess Zach kind of pointed it out uh, in a DM that I had. He was like, nobody fucking knows what they're doing. And it's true. And it's true. Because here I am editing this iPad video for like a huge channel, like 100,000 K subs plus, right? And he just like talks a good bit of the time like I do you know <laughs> when I'm when I'm rambling about a random subject I thought I was the only one who does that does that and no he did it too and Zach does it all the time and it's like oh at some point you get better at what you do right in the in the YouTube space where you're learning and picking up on some things and getting better etc but equally there's still so much that I either don't know about or I'm not great at yet to make it feel like I am still nowhere, nowhere near, nowhere near where we need to be. We're all, we're all just figuring this shit out as we go along, man. We're all simply figuring this shit out as we go along. And that's very comforting. It's very comforting to know that I'm not the only one who was confused out of my mind and oftentimes looking fresh. So, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So, last thing I want to talk about briefly, briefly, is the 2020 Oscars. Yeah, the Oscars had happened. Me, Zach, and Jay ended up watching all the best pictures. Sound of Metal was one of those best picture nominees that I talked about on the podcast. And once you know it, there were a bunch of other ones that me and Zach ended up watching and Jay. And uh, we watched the 2020 Oscars, and I got to say... They did a pretty good job. A lot of what I actually ended up picking, who I wanted to win, mostly ended up winning. Soul won Best Animated Feature. I believe it won for Best Music, not Best Sound, like Best Original Score, which was Pog. Uh, Anthony Hopkins ended up winning Best Actor, and that was great because I thought he was the best actor of the group. Um Best Actress went to Frances McDormand, who I thought was the best actress of that group in that movie. There wasn't a whole lot of, like, baffling decisions. The only ones that I really didn't like was Sound of Metal won Best Editing, which I thought was dumb. I, I guess part of that had to do with the fact that they ended up combining a lot of editing categories this year. So before you would have, like, sound editing and, you know, visual editing, that type of stuff. Now it's just, like, editing. And so Sound of Metal ended up winning for its good audio editing, but it did not have the best visual editing. So I felt like a lot of better films 
kind of didn't get that award, unfortunately. And it just kind of went to Sound of Metal. So that pissed me off. And then a Promising Young Woman ended up winning for some screenplay category that I don't even remember. Uh, I believe Best Original Screenplay won. And then The Father won Best Adapted, which I thought was worth it. So, all in all, all in all to show, uh, the Oscars 2020 was good. I enjoyed it. I had a great time watching it. I thought a lot of the awards were fair. And it gave a pretty good reflection of what I thought should win. But I'm sure not many of you care about just the Oscars by themselves. You kind of want to know, like, all right, what are, what are the films I should watch the name? Since you watched all these Best Picture nominees, which one is the best? Which one is worth it? And then I'll tell you guys what actually won Best Picture. So let's go ahead and do that right now. I have a list on my letterbox. Letterbox.com slash blue couch prod. Uh, <laughs> and you can go and click on my list section, and you'll find a list called 2021 Oscars Ranked. And out of all the best picture noms, I rank them from best to worst. So we'll start at the bottom. I'll give my thoughts on the film briefly, let you know if it won anything important. All right, here we go. Number eight, The Trial of the Chicago 7. This is based on a true story of seven people who organized some protest in the area, but the government didn't like those stinky protests. Uh, so they ended up kind of <laughs> getting them in court, trying to keep them in jail for 10 years or so. Uh, and the whole movie's just about that trial and the characters and all that sort of stuff. I didn't like it as much. I didn't really like it as much. And that's partially just because it's like a comedy and not like a very good comedy. And a lot of the jokes like didn't really land with me. A lot of the people didn't really act like real people. It was very much exaggerated versions, right? So it's like not to say that it completely ignores the source, but it takes that source and was like, oh, they had a bad judge. Let's make them a fucking cartoonishly exaggerate, exaggerated bad judge. Oh, we had a hippie character. Let's make him the most hippiest ass hippie we've ever known and make him be played by Sasha Baron Cohen from Borat. Uh, it was taking elements that I think could have worked on their own, but ended up kind of fluffing it up with some bad comedy and I thought honestly bad dialogue as well it's also not shot very well just ended up being the worst of the bunch for me I gave it a five out of ten and it didn't win anything yeah it got nominated for a bunch of shit but I didn't win a single award and rightfully so because I don't think it's a it's a good movie I think even Zach and Jay while they have it at a higher rating still put it at the bottom of their list as well so yeah ignore that one I think Number seven was Promising Young Woman. This is about a femoid who is out for revenge because her close friend, Nina Fisher, ended up getting raped, which is very unepic. And so she's like, hey, I'm going to find everyone involved and fuck with them. Not kill them, but just mentally kind of fuck with them for a good 30 minutes. That way they can see the error of their ways. This film has a couple of good things going for it. I think the editing is nice. It's very flashy. They got some good music tracks in here and some nice moments. You really have no idea like where they're going to go with the film. So it's very surprising as well. I think what ends up kind of ruining this one is they try to make a John Wick movie essentially about rape. Uh, and not to say that that couldn't work. A lot of great action movies have some darker subtones about some more serious subjects. 
but I thought the way that it was executed either made me feel like I wanted a movie with just the good action stuff or just the serious commentary. And unfortunately, the way it's balanced here led to not having a good side one way or the other. The action was at fault because it didn't lean into it more. And the commentary stuff is at fault because it's constantly interrupted by bad jokes. Just a very bad balance, you know? Not to say that both couldn't work because I think both could, but it just didn't work for me personally. But if you want kind of like an action blockbuster, if you want a film that probably would fit more in like a culty kind of audience, uh, if you like Heather's, that type of film, I think Promising Young Woman will work. And I think a lot of people are going to like it over the years. But it definitely felt like the one that didn't belong. You know, Trial of the Chicago 7 at least felt like it belonged as an Oscar movie, just given, you know, the fact that it's a court drama and it's about an older event. Promising Young Woman is mostly just fiction. It's very creative, uh, but it didn't feel like it fit all that much. So it ended up being my number seven. Like I said, it won Best Original Screenplay, which I didn't think it deserved. And that was about it. That was the only like real award it won. So just one, honestly. Next up, we have Sound of Metal. We've already talked about this film. Uh, go listen to my last day on Anchor if you want my thoughts on it. I'm not going to repeat myself here. But it won Best Editing, I believe. And maybe like one other... Oh yeah, it won Best Sound. So, yeah. Just just mainly praising it for the technical stuff. Which I thought, you know, for what it's worth, the sound technical stuff was good. Just the rest of the movie that I had faults with. So it ended up being number six. Alright. So, those bottom three, I would kind of put in a tier of like, not deserving of Best Picture. I don't even think... Those three should have been nominated for Best Picture, um, especially considering better films like Defy Bloods did not get nominated. Some other great films didn't get nominated. So the bottom three I would consider, like, not worth it, right? Not worth watching, or at least not worthy of the Best Picture nom. Five to three, I think, are really good films, but not what I would pick for Best Picture, well-deserved and honestly should be here, just not what I would pick. So number five, we have Mank. Very fun name to say, right? Mank. Comes off the tip of the tongue. It's nice, you know? It's very fun to say. What's Mank about? Well, it's kind of about the creation of Citizen Kane. Yeah, one of those black and white movies. But it's very interesting because we end up following the writer behind it, Mr. Herman Mankiewicz, and all of his crazy-ass adventures, what inspired him to write that screenplay, and learning to be a little bit more confident to say, hey, this is the best thing I've ever written. I want credit, Mr. Orson Welles. And Orson's like, the fuck you just said? And, you know, from there, it just kind of goes places. It's a bit confusing. It's one of those LOL nonlinear stories with a bunch of flashbacks, but thankfully, the flashbacks are told in order. So when we flashback, we're, we're continuing a B-plot. It's like an A-pop a plot, B plot situation, but we're not hopping over to a C or D or E or F plot that a lot of these nonlinear movies really like having and uh, make really confusing. This one is only mildly confusing. The acting is good. Amanda Seyfried was epic. She looked fine at the Oscars. If you want to, if you want to find the baddie at the Oscars, go ahead and just type in that Google Amanda Seyfried Mank. She was nominated for best supporting actress if you need a little bit more help and check out her dress that's all i'm gonna say makes a good film it's a really solid film 
I liked it a lot. Uh, it's not for everybody. I think among Fincher heads, this is one of his lesser movies. But even still, Mr. David Fincher's going to put out a, a weaker product. It's still probably better than 90% of what we got this year. So, hey, what are you going to do? Number four, Minari. Oh, by the way, make one best cinematography and I think costumes as well. It won, it won some technical shit. It did not win best picture. Number four, Minari. Minari, Minari, Minari. This is a cute film. It's a really cute film. It's about a Korean family who has already moved over to America, but they decide, you know what? We're done with California. Let's move to Arkansas. So they go to Arkansas because the dad wants to build this farm. The house is horrible. It's like a trailer park, essentially. But there's all this land around it. And he's like, I'm going to make the American dream work. I'm going to go ahead and plant a bunch of crops and sell it. And my kids are going to be proud of me because they're very young. And we're going to get it to work here. Uh, but slowly, slowly but surely, uh, everything starts to fall apart. The wife was not a fan of moving to this area. She does not like the farm. The house is a bit of a wreck. One of their kids, David, has a heart condition. And later in the film, they end up asking their grandma to come live with them. And she has her own health problems that she later find out about. So it's a very sweet movie on the surface, but it digs into some of the more dramatic stuff. And the dramatic stuff is good. A little predictable, but still solid. What makes Minari work for me, though, is the humor. It's a very funny-ass movie. David, that little kid with the heart condition, you're like, oh, is he going to be that typical sick kid complain all the time? No. My man, David, and you're going to, if you watch this movie, you're going to feel the same way. David is fucking epic. He's like a little five-year-old or whatever, just running around being a goofy-ass little five-year-old. He doesn't like his grandma showing up because he's never met him before, so he plays pranks on her. Uh, like, for example... They start drinking Mountain Dew, and they're enjoying the Mountain Dew shit. And the grandma's like, hey, can you get me some more? And he's like, yeah, no no problem. Takes the cup, pisses in it, hands it back to her. She drinks it, <laughs> spits it out, and goes, you bastard. And later in the movie, David and the grandma are talking, and David's like, hey, that piss tastes good. And she gets mad at him. But the two form a very cute relationship. Uh, definitely the highlight of the film, for sure. The grandma is also super funny as well. I don't know. I just really enjoyed this. I had a great time. I think the ending can get a little predictable. The second half can get a little bit predictable. It does not surprise me personally, but I don't know if it was trying to, you know? I don't know if it was trying to, if it was just trying to execute on a Korean family moving over, avoiding a lot of tropes that are common in this kind of movie. You know what I'm talking about. This has almost become a genre in and of itself. Minari does something different with it, something interesting with it. And in a couple of cases, it could have been even better if it tried a little bit more. Because I think it executed really well on a lot of different stuff. But it could have shot a little bit higher. Minari ended up winning uh, Best Supporting Actress. The Grandma ended up taking that award, which is awesome. And I think that was the only one. So, there you go. Number three, Nomadland. I'm sure this is the one you've heard about if you've looked anything into Best Picture type stuff. This was obviously the frontrunner for Best Picture. And I really liked it. Did I think it was perfect? No. But I ended up really liking it. Nomadland is about this character played by Frances McDormand, who loses her house, loses her husband, loses her town, essentially, becomes a ghost town. And now she's out here living on the road in her van, making it one day at a time. 
And that in and of itself is like interesting. You don't see a whole lot of movies like that. But where it goes like a step beyond, I think, other movies is that Francis interacts with a bunch of other nomads. And you're like, okay, well, are these actors? And they're like, no, these are like real people. These are actual nomads. Granted, they're, you know, reading off a script and stuff, but they've lived that experience, right? So it makes the whole thing feel more genuine. It almost kind of crosses into documentary territory a little bit. And we're just following Frances McDormand and all the, all the crazy-ass characters she meets along the way. It can be depressing at times, funny at others, and it really just goes to, like, show a light on, on this side of uh, the elderly community and, and people who, for whatever reason, lose their house, don't have enough money for retirement, and just have no other options. We see the benefits of the of the nomad lifestyle. We see the the down parts, the sad parts, the negatives of it. It's just really captivating. It's really interesting. I don't know. I was already kind of into the whole like van life subject. I watched it on YouTube a bunch, and Nomadland does a good job of it. Uh, it ended up winning Best Actress. Frances McDormand ended up copping that one. Uh, it also won Best Director, Chloe Zhao, who is the first woman of color to win a Best Director nod. I think the second female to win it. And it also won Best Picture. Yep, we finally got to it. Nomadland was the winner of Best Picture. And I had it at number three. So, if Nomadland won Best Picture, what two films are better than it, you ask? Well, glad you asked. Number two is The Father. The Father is so damn good. Honestly, it could have been number one. Jay and Zach have it as a number one. If you have to watch, like, one film, I'm going to go ahead and say, watch The Father. It's not my number one, but it's really damn close. My one and two are, like, practically neck and neck. They're both 10 out of 10s, in my opinion. So, what's it about, then, you might be asking? Well, it's about an older guy with dementia. That's it. Ask the film. I don't want to say anything else, because I feel like this is the one that you just kind of have to watch slowly as it unveils because if I tell you what happens that's just the movie and it's very short as well so I don't feel comfortable in giving a lot of details but let's just say let's just say in case you want a little bit more a little bit more of a taste Anthony Hopkins is fantastic in the performance he won best actor the caretakers are really cool and the movie through its editing makes you feel like you have dementia the audience member how did they achieve that effect? Watch the movie and find it out. I'm not saying anymore. Number one. Oh, The Father also won um, Best Adapted Screenplay. So it won two awards. Number one. My favorite movie of the Best Picture nominees so far. My favorite film of uh, 2020 right behind Soul. You know, Soul is pretty fucking good. Number one for me, Judas and the Black Messiah. Ooh, so tight in its script, so great with its performances by Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield. I have a hard time pronouncing both of their names on occasion, and so I tried really hard there not to fuck it up, but I probably did anyway. What's it about? Well, it's about Mr. Fred Hampton, a leader of the Black Panther Party, and my good man Bill, who just pops up out of the blue. Trying to help him out. But then you find out, uh-oh, Bill on some bullshit because he's been hired by the, is it FBI or CIA? It's one of the two. 
He's been hired to infiltrate the headquarters, get close with Mr. Fred Hampton, who's seen as a threat by the government. Cringe. And is kind of hired to just, you know, steer him in the wrong direction. Make some decisions for him. Kind of like, get Fred killed. Uh, that type of stuff, right? And the wild thing is, it's not taken place from the perspective of Fred. We follow Fred Hampton, and he's very interesting and very fascinating. Great performance again by Mr. Kaluuya. But we're actually following Bill. Bill's our main character, the snitch, right? We're following him. And that just leads to a lot of very tense moments where they're like, is he going to get caught? Is he going to get found out? Is he going to get killed? Or is he going to succeed? And are all these characters that we've grown attached to going to die because of it, right? So it's like, ugh, do I want my main characters to, to succeed? Do I not? It's a mess. It's a mess. It's a big, big mess. But honestly, I think what makes it my favorite, outside of the performances and the subject matter, which I didn't know much about, is it has really impactful emotional scenes. You know, really big moments, whether it's Fred Hampton giving a speech or the eventual death of Fred Hampton. It's all just really powerful, really engaging. I felt myself invested the whole way through. I had no major issues with the beginning, the middle, the end. With a lot of these films, I can at least point out like one or two nitpicks. Judas is not the case. Judas is not the case. I thought it was the strongest. I thought it was the most well-built and put together. I thought it told its subject matter with seriousness. And I also thought they added something new and interesting to it. Perfect length, perfect structure. I just love it a lot. It's great. Go watch it. Juice in the Black Messiah. 10 out of 10. My favorite of the Oscars. The only two things it won was Best Original Song, Fight for You, which shows up in the credits. It's not even really in the movie. And uh, Mr. Kaluuya won Best Supporting Actor, which kind of sucks because Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield were both counted as supporting actors even though they're like the main characters of this film. So you think one of them should have been best actor. It's a mess, but Kaluuya ended up winning best supporting actor. So good for him. His speech is very funny at the Oscars too. That's it for this episode of Aiden on Anchor. I've gone on for too long. If you want more of my thoughts on all these movies, you can check out my letterbox. I have written extended reviews on all of them. So you can read more of my thoughts in case you thought my rambling made no fucking sense, which hey, is fine. And uh, let me know if you go watch any of these movies. Leave me a comment somewhere. Because I thought some of these were really good. And some of y'all could benefit in watching them, honestly. Because I love movies. And if you love movies, you should watch them as well. But that'll be it for this episode of Aiden on Anchor. If you want to, you can support me by hitting that support button. Donate to the show if you want. I don't know. You do you. Shout out to Jay, the Zoomster, and Carrie Knight who have supported me before in the past financially. And I will see you next time for episode 80. The Q&A episode of Aiden on Anchor. Bye-bye, everybody.